I remember when my husband and our first partner, they went on a first date, like just the two of them. And I took this picture of them and posted it. And it, it was all, it was all fake. Like it was just uh. all me like trying to foster this feeling that was not there. And after a couple of times of doing that and it going horribly wrong, I was like, okay, Vita, this is not the experience that you're having. And then I began to say, okay, well, do you need it? Do you need it? Can you get yourself to a place of indifference? Can you get yourself to a place of going, I may not be happy that my partner is happy with someone else, but I am happy that they're living the life that they want. I am happy that they're seeking to fulfill themselves. I don't always like the ways that they choose to do it, but I do appreciate their ability to be able to do it, and I support that. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we have a very special guest, Evita Sawyers. Evita La Vida Loca Sawyers is a non-monogamy coach, speaker, and educator, the creator of Today's Polyamory Reminder. She is also the subject of a groundbreaking polyamorous documentary, Poly Love. Her approach is both frank yet empathetic, and she is appreciated for her vulnerable openness about her own challenges in non-monogamy and helping others to grow. So, Evita, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Yay! Um, I just wanted to start kind of with your journey, with because I know I, I've seen Polly Love and... I know that it's different, like where you were at that time is different than where you are now. And so can you kind of talk to us about your journey into starting polyamory and then sort of how that's woven and changed over time? Oh, yes. Wonderful. So um, I began my non-monogamous journey probably about eight years ago uh, with my husband. Uh, We were married at that time for almost 10 years. And I like to joke that our non-monogamy started with a song by Two Chains um, because there's a lyric in the song. It goes, "Y'all been together ten years. You deserve a menage." You know, and so like I just kind of joke about that because we there you go. coming close to, to ten years. Um, and um, I was bisexual, and it's funny we met in church, and it was a very uh, kind of a suppressive, uh, uh, you know, congregation. And so I had kind of shelved my sexuality for a while. And then once we left, it sort of began to blossom and I was kind of going through that process. And so he knew um, that I had an attraction to women as well. And uh, my son got diagnosed with cancer when he was six. So we were going through this really, 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 really difficult time in um, uh, just our family life. And um, and my husband had a lot of things that he had to work out with like sexuality and being comfortable with it. And so I was like, look, we're going through this really crappy time. <laughs> like, Let's have some fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And so let's start, you know, kind of exploring this. And so we started with swinging um, and uh, swinging was very, very easy for me. Um, at that time, I had an easier time with um, being sexually open than I did with being emotionally open. Uh, but it was a struggle for him because he is what I would categorize as a little bit more demisexual. So he likes having connections to people uh, when he sleeps with them. So swinging was a challenge for him. Um, and at a swinger party, we got introduced to the concept of polyamory. This woman came in and she came mm-hmm. with her boyfriend and her husband came in later on. And they were all just like chopping it up and like laughing together. And we were like mind blown. <laughs> like we were like, this is a thing. <laughs> Um, And it really appealed to my husband because he wanted the opportunity to have actual relationships with people and not just, you know, do casual sex. Um, And I was resistant. (laughs) We Mm. tried it once. Um, It went horribly. Like he went on a date and I like completely lost it. (laughs) And so Mm. um, and so we tabled it and uh, just stayed with swinging. And then about six months later, we went back to it because I wanted the opportunity to experience having romantic relationships with women and not just sexual ones, because that was largely what I was getting when I was swinging. 
And Can so I, we were like, I, okay. I want to I want to jump in just because I'm curious about that transition for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because it's it's funny because it starts out first of all when you said that like this woman came in like with her like to this party. I'm I'm getting this image of like she came in with these like polyamory pamphlets to try to like convert people <laughs> at the swingers party. But I think it's interesting that like you also made that shift of like oh actually I am interested in more romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also curious about those turning points for you. Um. I just wanted to have the experience of being romantic with a woman. So I enjoyed sex with women um, and it was something that I, I liked, but I wanted to know what it was like to actually be in a relationship with a woman, to be loved by a woman, to love a woman, to have that romantic intimacy uh, that you just didn't get when you were just having sex and especially in a swinger environment. Um, and so I just wanted that experience. I wanted to know what that was like. I began to feel like I had more than just a sexual attraction to women because I hadn't really explored my sexuality at all. I'd been in this heterosexual marriage for such a long time. And then part of that, you know, church. So I had no idea what I wanted from my relationships with women. Um, and so sex was the first thing. And then after a while I was like, ah, like, you know, I think I want a different experience. And like I said, my husband's more, I would say naturally polyamorous than I am. So that shift wasn't a challenge for him. And it's actually, cause it's actually something that he wanted. So when I began to express my desire for that, he was like, yeah, like we can do this. Um, but, uh, we actually got into uh, non-monogamy to date separately. So we didn't do like the classic, you couple comes in, they have the bisexual wife, heterosexual, um, husband. They're looking for, you know, the unicorn. We didn't do that. We were like, mm-hmm. we both have completely different taste in women. There is no way that we're going <laughs> to oh, find wow. a woman that we both like. You go find your own person. I go find my own person. Never the twain shall meet. And then we get to a swinger party. We meet our partner that you saw in the documentary mm-hmm. and try it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, so that really yeah. just like <laughs> came out of something that you didn't expect, it seems like. Because, yeah, it, 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 who knew that you both would be attracted to the same person? That's really interesting. Right. And I knew he was attracted to her. Um And I actually, so funny story, I knew he was attracted to her because he actually approached her first at the party. Um, And that made me a little envious. It made me a little jealous because it was still early in that stage. And she had a lot of, I I used to say that if you take every personal insecurity I have about myself and make a person, it would look like her. Like it was, it was very interesting. Extremely interesting. interesting. Very interesting. And he was the one who approached her first. And so I was a little, you know, kind of crunchy about that. But I sat down and got to talking to her and she and I clicked, like we had a chemistry and she was like, I like talking to you. And we, and then that began to shift to me where I was like, oh, like, so then I started looking at her as someone that I could possibly be attracted to. So I was actually the one that was a lot more pursuant Mm. um, of her than um, he was because she, she kind of turned him down. Mm. And so it was me and her that I, that, you know, had more of the connection, you know, linked and were like, you know, we exchanged numbers and stuff like that. And so we began to talk. Um, I was very aggressive. <laughs> I, I can definitely say that I was very like, I like you this way. I want you this way. Um, and then I invited her to go to a party with my, uh, husband and I, and, and we all kind of interacted and then it just took off. So we started spending time together, wow. we'd go on dates. she'd be over at the house. And at the time our children were away for the summer with their grandparents. So we was just being grown, you know, we were like, Oh, shoot, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> having fun. And, yeah, exactly. Having fun, enjoying that, you know, freedom. And so she would come over and we'd hang out. And then this relationship showed, sort of blossomed. We all developed feelings for each other. Wow. And then where does it like, I, I get the impression from like some stuff that you've posted on your Instagram that you're very open about the fact that like, you know, that there has been like a lot of shift and a lot of change and like a lot of transition in your journey. And yes. so, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about, you know, the documentary, you know, which is kind of like the snapshot of like all mm-hmm. this stuff kind of going down. And since then, like, like what have been the turning points since then that have brought you to where you are today? Um, that relationship was very, very volatile for me. Um, I struggled to behave in a healthy way in that relationship. And polyamory began to bring out all of these insecurities about myself that I didn't know that I had. And I had these very 
surprising reactions to them. Because before that, I would have considered myself, I mean, I was emotional, you know, (laughs) but I would have considered myself a relatively self-contained person. But I had a lot of very, very surprising and some alarming reactions to um, the difficult emotions that I experienced. And it, it made me aware of the fact that I did not know how to love people romantically in a very, in a free way, in a way that felt, um, how would I put this in a way that felt in alignment with like who I wanted to be in people's lives. Hmm. Um, and so that started me on the process of going. And then plus I knew I wanted to live this way. So it wasn't that I was doing this just because he wanted to do it and I didn't want to do it. Like I, I knew very, very deeply, I want to live this way, but I'm having all these struggles. And so where is that coming from? And how do I work on those things so that I can also enjoy this freedom and give that same freedom to the other people around me that I love in a healthy way? Um, and so. I began to just join groups and I was struggling. (laughs) I was like, I am struggling. I'm struggling with this. And so I began to join groups. And one of the things that I noticed in groups was that, especially back then, there was such a push to just post the positive stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And if anybody shared anything about feeling jealous or having an emotion or, you know, wanting to ask their partner, hey, can you, you know, not sleep with your partner in the house? Like just these questions that people would ask because, you know, those beginning struggles of like, what is okay for me to do as I'm doing this? What is something that I can do? Like I have the emotional ability to show up to it. Like, you know, how do I not, like, you know, you're working through all of those ways of not wanting to control your partners, also wanting to honor yourselves. Um, And so, uh, but I wasn't seeing people sharing about those difficulties. And then when I would share about those difficulties, I would get so much pushback and so much. Really? Yeah, yeah, I get a lot. Of fun. I remember the very first post that I did in a group that I was in. I was asking about if it was okay for me to ask my partners because we were in the triad at the time. Um, if when they're having sex and I'm not involved, like I'm not in the room, if they could keep it down, because um, I was really struggling at the time. We would like kind of shift who would sleep in the bed with each other. Sure. And so sometimes they'd be in the room and you know. They'd want to have sex and they'd have sex. Um, and it would, I would struggle with it. And so I asked this question and they jumped on me so badly. I like bald crying. It's still yeah. a problem. Like it, it's, I mean, we talked about this on an episode we did a few weeks ago about kind of like some assumptions that a lot of us carry in the polyamory community that are maybe not so healthy. And I think that's one of them. There, that's still this kind of sense of like, if you're having struggles, it's 100% your responsibility to deal with. Right. And not only that, but you're not supposed to talk about it. And then if you even have the struggle, that's an indicator that you're immature, that something's wrong with you, that you don't really want to be poly. It's all these weird things. And I'm like, they're just normal human emotions. Like this is challenging. It's okay for someone to just name that. Well, yeah. And what all these people in the group who are saying these things to you, like 100% of the time, they never feel jealousy. That's ridiculous. Of course That's they my, do. Yeah, I was like, okay, so nobody feels, nobody. nobody yeah, feels come this? on. No one, no one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm just all alone on this. Okay, sure. All right. Um, wow. But people began to resonate with my willingness to talk about that. And Good. they would reach out to me and they would say, you know, it used to be in my inbox, you know, I, I love this this thing that you're saying. I've completely felt this way. Thank you for saying this. And so it encouraged me to keep on sharing, keep on talking. And then I, when I would process through my emotions or I would process through the difficult times that I had, I would have such fascinating revelations about myself, such fascinating relationships, uh, uh, revelations about relationships and love. And I wanted to share that. I was like, whoa, like, you know, cause it was mind blowing to me. And so I would share that with people. And, and it, it showed me that I have a very unique ability to be able to like create these mental reframes. So I almost tell people that sometimes I feel like I'm a monogamous, or at least an emotionally monogamous person who's just figured out how to hack themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but finally, I mean, like I just figured out to go in there and create those kind of hacks in, in my mind to help me mm. get through uh, these struggles and still show up to polyamory the way I want to show up and the way I also want my partners to show up to me. Wow. Yeah. This, this makes me think about something that a friend of mine who is polyamorous and he had a partner who was new to polyamory and the feedback that he got from her 
you know, any time he would suggest, oh, maybe it would be helpful to join this polyamory group or listen to this podcast or whatever, her reaction was always, hell no, I think all polyamory people are totally fake. Uh, you know, I and she had this clearly had a very strong impression of that. And and he would then kind of confront me with some of that stuff. Mm. And as I thought about it more and kind of really tried to like sit there and think about it, I was like, yeah, you know, I get that. I could see that. And I could see someone like in your situation that you described absolutely coming away from that being like, I think all these people are full of shit. Like full n- of shit. none of this is real. And, yeah. and right. But on the other side, I think that when I remember when I was first starting out and you'd hear these stories about people being okay with certain situations and that they have this arrangement with their metamors and it's all great and positive, I would go bullshit. That's not possible. And now I'm like, well, it is. So it's this weird (laughs) thing of like, how do you tell apart the like what feels impossible versus what's fake, (laughs) you know? Right, right, right. Um, so I, I totally relate to that because there are things that I would see in the beginner days of, of being non-monogamous, the people talking about, you know, hanging out with the metamorphs or them going on vacation and all those things like that. And I'd be like, how? Yeah. How? Like, <laughs> how is that even yeah. possible? Because like he just took a phone call from his other partner and I'm like falling apart in the bathroom right now. So yeah, like, how is that even possible? Right? In, the, in the ethical slut, they, I remember they shared this story of like, you know, their example of kind of figuring out compromise or conflict resolution was one person being like, hey, you know, sometimes like when you're in the bedroom with your other partner, like I just find myself a little bit sad because sometimes I want to be able to go in and get my slippers and like I can't get my slippers. And yeah, I remember in those days being like, the slippers are your problem? that's what's going on with you right like that's 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 what that's your takeaway like you (laughs) it's like i'd be tripping over a whole nother thing but now i'm in that place where Mm -hmm. those are actual things that i'm doing you know i'm actually like i you know spent the weekend at my metamorphs house and you know that these are actually things i'm doing and so those um those things are possible i think what people like to do which i try not to do is to act like it was candies and rainbows the whole time and the Mm. entire process of getting there was candies and rainbows and it's always candies and rainbows um uh, for you and i'm more like yeah like i was here with my metamorph for the weekend and we had a great time but when my partner came over to give her a hug and a kiss i got a little crunchy like you know what i mean like i'm you Mm -hmm. know like you know and i i kind of needed to like you know go offer a little bit. I think it's, it's, it's learning how to hold both that. Yes, there are these wonderful moments about it. Yes, it is beautiful. Yes. We, we grow and we you know, evolve and the things that bothered us once they get to a place where they don't bother us now, but it doesn't mean that it just completely eradicates all of the challenges that you're not going to experience this highs and lows that you're not going to struggle sometimes through it. And it's okay for those things to, to exist at the same time. I'm interested because you said before that you have kind of like a monogamous emotional mindset, but that you've hacked into the polyamory mindset. And and you also said, even when it was difficult, I realized that this is the lifestyle that I want to be in, even though it is hard. So I want to get better at it. So how did those two things kind of exist in the same universe within you? Because yeah, like how and why did you decide, hey, this is the thing that I want to do, even though maybe parts of me have a tendency towards something else and that it's important enough to choose to get better at this? Um, well, number one, I enjoy freedom. So while yeah. I do feel like I have a part of myself that it can be or tends towards emotional uh, monogamy, I would not like to get myself into a situation where I'm completely cut off to that because I just never know. I never know what I'm going to experience for a person as a person who considers myself fairly hyper romantic. And Mm -hmm. I like interacting with people in romantic and sexual ways. Like I didn't want to limit that part of myself just because I'm like, well, I have a tendency toward it, but I can also do this. So I wouldn't even, well, I don't think I could ever be, you know, like ambiamorous or polymonoflux, you know, people that can kind of go back and forth between, well, I'm polyamorous in this relationship and I can choose monogamy here and they can kind of move back and forth through that. I wouldn't say that about myself because I do enjoy having that freedom to make those choices. 
without that being a big deal because we started with that freedom. I just mm-hmm. like having the maximum amount of freedom afforded to me. So I like to be able to give the maximum amount of freedom. And so that's why it was important enough for me to to move that tendency in the other direction uh, because I wanted to be able to have those experiences freely. And I also wanted to give my partners the ability to have those experiences freely. And so I I needed to kind of move that that marker a little bit um, so that I could show up well to that. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. it it reminds me, I I very much resonate with that because I remember very early on in my own journey that like kind of the first time I was picking myself out of the shambles of like the relationship that I imploded, (laughs) trying to open it up, that it was very much that same thing of like, wow, that really sucked. And sometimes this really sucks, but there's still something deeper that's like, but this is still the right choice at the end of the day, which is such an interesting feeling. And it's kind of a like, when you feel it, you feel it, I guess. Yeah. And it's an interesting feeling because you absolutely could have that monogamy because there's so much more, you know, available. So it's, it's an interesting space to be in to go, you know, I really, this is really, really hard. And this is deeply, deeply, deeply uncomfortable. And also if I wanted to stop doing this at any time, this other thing is here in abundance and I can just go back to it or, you know, whatever, obviously you may have to end some relationship, but you could have it if you wanted it but still feeling like there's a deeper purpose as to why you're doing that work within yourself. Um, and that's really what it is for me. There's a deeper purpose into why I'm doing that work within myself, even though I know that this isn't the same for everyone. But for me, polyamory is very much a spiritual work. It's very, very mm. deep, deep, mm. deep. It's deep work. It's changing yeah. all of my perceptions around love, love for myself, love for my partners, what that looks like, what that means, um, You know, how to interact with it. Um, and so it's a very deep, deep spiritual work for me. And so even though, yeah, I could technically go, okay, well, this is too hard. Let me just do emotional monogamy. It's safer. It feels easier. Um, it's just about something more than that for me. Mm. Yeah. I, I really want to ask a billion questions about that specifically, but I, I'm going to put a pin in that because I feel like we were kind of leading up to you were talking about sharing all these things and people really resonating with that. And is that kind of like the origin story of the polyamory reminders? So the polyamory, I've, I've been vocal in the polyamorous community for a while. And so before that, I had done a couple of conferences. I've been on several podcasts. I'd written articles and things. And so I kind of had developed a little bit of a notoriety as the person to go to when you was having issues in your polyamory, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, so, and someone who was willing to be vulnerable and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so every so often I would, and a lot of where my polyamory thoughts came from something that I went through and then the clarity that came afterward. And then I would share that because it would resonate with people and it would help them. It would be light bulb moments for them. And uh, so I am at home, the pandemic happens, we're stuck in the house. And so I kind of get this idea of what if I could post a polyamory reminder every single day. So was, what the heck else are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so I would try to just create these little simple statements about different things to be reminded of. And most of them came from my own experience. And then sometimes they would come from stories that people would tell me or posts that I would see and I, ways that I would respond to them. And then it just kind of snowballed. People started resonating with them. And then I started changing the format so that I could actually write out either stories that were connected to this reminder or different observations that I have. Um, and they just really began to resonate with people. And then it like just took off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're getting close to, I don't know how far into the pandemic you started. We're getting close to, you know, hitting like 365 days of being in a pandemic. If, uh-huh. we, if we haven't hit already, have you considered making one of those daily ripoff calendars? I have Ooh, actually. Reminders. No, 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 yeah. That was so I, like I, hotcakes. I wanted yeah. to make, I actually wanted to do like a polyamory, um, like a devotional. So just have oh, one of yeah. those, you know, so January 1st, because I find that there's lots of wonderful books out there, The Ethical Slut and Love Is Not Colorblind by Kevin Patterson. Yeah. And, you know, Polysecure is making the rounds. And then, uh, I think Kathy Labriola has a polyamory mm-hmm. breakup book. So breakup there's lots of publications that are coming out. But a lot of people don't like to read, you know, <laughs> they don't. Um, <laughs> some and of like, them are dense. Yeah. I, right, yeah. yeah. Some of them are very dense. Like I remember one book, it took me the better part of a year to get through it. And I am an avid reader. I have like a thousand books in my I love to read. And it still t- takes me a while to get through a uh, book. So and there's some people that don't like to read at all. And I find that just having a small digestible piece that you can read for a moment and just reflect on 
um, or even bring to your partners and go, hey, did you read this today? Let's have a talk about, you know, our thoughts and views. So many people reach out to me and they say, me and my partner had this great discussion about your reminder. My partner sent you uh, sent me your reminder this morning so we could talk about it. So having something small that people can go to and not feeling the pressure of having to read through the whole book. Mm-hmm. You can just pick it up on the 23rd of August just because you feel like it <laughs> mm-hmm. and have this thing that you can think about. And so I, I have I have thought about it. I love the devotional. I I mean, so yeah, I am ex-Christian, so is Jace. And I don't know where you're at I'm not, in that in that whole I'm Emily was raised atheist, so um yeah. but if you I don't know where you're at in that whole thing, but it is we have kind of joked about how like sometimes old habits die hard. <laughs> yeah, and I um I remember those from when I was Christian, you know, I'm just kind of woo woo now, but um, I remember those from when I was Christian. And so I like that, just that little digestible kind of breakdown. Cause there's another book, I think it's called the book of, it's by Mark Nepo, the book of awakening. Mm. And it's the same way. It just has these little, every day you open it up and you read a little snippet. And so I, I, I wanted to have it be these little concise things that people can just read and digest as opposed to this really long thing. And I'm a very simple person. I think that's one of the things that people appreciate about my reminders the most is I'll take this really, really, really big kind of issue and I'll condense it down these very succinct message. Um, and so it's direct. And I think people like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I actually wrote down quite a few that I really, really love from polyamory reminders. Yeah. Jace, do you want to say the first one? Cause yeah, yeah I, I'd love to like talk about some of these cause there's just some amazing gems and like hard truths from what you've written that even though like the three of us talk about this on a weekly basis, sometimes I'm just like, wow. Okay. Yes. That, that was pretty, <laughs> pretty profound there. So let's talk about a few of them. Yeah. So just, yeah. the first one we have written down here is, uh, it is a bright red flag when someone has nothing kind to say about their current partners and constantly complains to you about them. And what's funny is I remember getting advice kind of similar to that about if you're dating someone and they can only say negative things about their ex and that that's should be a red flag right there. If that's all they can say. And it is interesting in polyamory that we have the opportunity for that kind of in the present. Like you don't even yes. have the excuse of, well, it was in the past and like maybe things have changed, but it's like, no, right now, right now, right. this is who they are and what they're saying. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, where that came from for me is I went out on a date with uh, someone that I met online and they spent the entire time just, they had nothing nice to say about their partner. And I don't want to diminish the fact that sometimes people are in relationships that are just not going well or they're not happy and they just need the space to own that. So I get that. But that to me was a very bright red flag. Number one, I was like, why are you, why would you do this to me, this other person who is dating you with the potentiality of seeing what we can have? If I hear you saying those things about your partner when they're not around, what would you say about me when I wasn't around? Yeah. Um, why are you in a relationship that you seem to be so unhappy with? Um, you know, why are you comfortable putting this person down to someone who's essentially a stranger to you. Um, I also feel like it does not foster very good relationship between metamors. When I understand that sometimes we have to go to our partners and go, I'm going through a struggle with my other partner and we do that. But if we're constantly putting down our partners to our other partners, it doesn't foster good relationship between metamors. Um, And even if you're kitchen table poly or parallel poly, you still want to have good feeling about your metamor if you can. Um, Sometimes you can't. But if you can, you want to. So if someone is putting down their partner constantly to me, it it very much makes me go, "Mm," like, I don't know that I want to get too close to that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you had an experience that with one with that once, Jace, right? Of but that was probably years ago. I don't know if I remember <laughs> I don't, it correctly. I don't even remember, probably. But clearly I didn't end up dating that person because yeah, it end was up like, hey, this is the red so... flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. Um, sometimes in relationships we can become so skilled at navigating and avoiding conflict with a person that we avoid taking a real look at why the conflict is happening to begin with. Because if we took a sincere look at why, we might realize that the relationship needs to drastically change or even end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. The heavy one. Yeah. That was me and my husband for sure, uh, because we're both decent individuals and we both love each other and we both like each other. So those were all things that were true. 
Um, but we had these very fundamental incompatibilities that we had for a very long time. And we had just learned how, as we got healthier, we learned how to navigate conflict better in healthier ways. And we learned how to avoid conflict with each other so that it got spread out when we would have these conflicts, but we still weren't actually dealing with the why the conflicts were happening in the first place. We had just gotten skilled at navigating when they did and avoiding them for as long as possible. So it was almost very jarring when our relationship ended because it was, it was like, we get along. <laughs> we don't yeah. fight that much. We may have a, we may have had a fight six months ago. Like, you know, with, we, we have little squabbles here and there, but not these like huge kind of blowups. They were getting few, fewer and further between. And so it was like, it was, it was, it created this cognitive dissonance of going, I get along with this person. I love them. I care about them. They're a good person. We have a good rapport and yet we're still not continuing this relationship or they don't want to continue this relationship with me. Uh, but I think that he finally was just like, this is the conflict. We are fundamentally different in how we organize relationships and this needs to change. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually interested in asking a little bit more about that trans transition, if that's okay with sure. all Emily absolutely. and Jace to, yeah, to take the absolutely. time right now. Um, yeah, because I think this is something that we bump up against all the time of doing these like relationship transitions or de-escalations, or sometimes it's just a straight up ending, you know, or a breakup or whatever. Sometimes we can't even like put the softer language of like de-escalation on it. And I, I guess I'm curious for you, you know, going through that process or being in the middle of that process, like what do you feel like you're kind of learning and realizing right now? Um... I am learning that there is a difference between being happy in a relationship and being fulfilled, that they're two mm. very separate things. Um, we made each other happy. We had a happy marriage. Uh, but the things that we both needed to feel like truly fulfilled in a romantic relationship, uh, the other person just did not possess and not for lack of trying, uh, but it just was not who they were. And what was meaningful about a romantic relationship for each other was very different. And so it was really, really hard to meet in the middle. And we did it for a very long time. Um, we'll be married 17 years in March. Wow. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was that this just, it was, we, we love each other, but we just, as we began to grow and as we began to explore non-monogamy and non-monogamy forces you to have to think about yourself in love. What do you want from love? What, how does love matter to you? How do you want to behave in love? What do you want to be able to say? What do we want to be able to feel you can say about your relationships and how they make you feel? And so as we began to get to know ourselves more in that way, we began to realize just how much our romantic relationship didn't meet that for each other. Mm. And I was very willing to try and keep going. Uh, but he was just like, I just no longer resonate with the belief that romantic relationships should feel hard. Um, mm. so he wanted like, you know how they say sometimes romantic relationships, they take work, but it shouldn't feel like work. Mm. Um, he just was like, I just don't want that. And our, we always had a, a very hard relationship. We always did. That was something that we, we both would say about our relationship. We loved it, but it was hard. And so I learned that, um, I am learning, um, how to be friends with an ex. <laughs> that yeah, was boy. not something yeah. that I did boy. <laughs> at all. That was not my thing. I, I'm not like sitting here with a voodoo doll, like, you know, poking, you know, needles in the eyes of my exes. But like, once we break up, I, I say, I usually That's tell people, um, I tell them I, I, I'll be on my bird, man. Uh, is we finished or is we done? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I am learning how to maintain a friendship with an ex because we have children and I want uh, to maintain my children's sense of family, mm -hmm. uh, even though we don't have this romantic relationship. Because if you think about it, your children don't super interact with your romantic relationship with your partner. I mean, they see it, they witness it, but they don't interact with it and they don't necessarily need it in order to be okay, in order to have a sense mm -hmm. of family. And so having to navigate, wanting to maintain respect and care and love for this person because we have these children together. And so I kind of joke that the universe was like, oh, like you don't be friends with exes? Okay, we're gonna make you work on that in a major way. <laughs> and this happened yep. and I was just like, really? <laughs> wow. 
Uh, well, thank you for answering that question. I realize that's such a doozy because I don't really want to be asked right in this moment what I'm learning right now, going through all my own struggles with like COVID and relationships and stuff like that. So thank you for being willing to be on the spot and talk about those things. Although it makes sense. I mean, I saw one of your recent reminders that you posted was, um, and I'm probably paraphrasing here, but it was kind of something on the lines that you know, it's a little dangerous when you're opening up your relationship to just make this assumption that like, you're going to be the one who's going to stick around. The other person's going to be the one to leave, you know? And like, like you were saying, look at me, you know, I'm in this major relationship transition after so many years. And I think it's so interesting to talk to people about that because on the one hand, I think from like a quote unquote polyamory PR standpoint, we're often trying to reassure people like, it's okay. You know, if you open up your relationship, it doesn't automatically mean it's going to be the end. It doesn't automatically mean it's going to fall apart. But then on the other hand, like you were saying that it does force you, I like the way you said it, like to think about yourself in love and what you actually want out of love. And sometimes that thinking process and examining process may mean it's actually going to be better to love in different ways and with different people and in a different type of relationship with this person. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I stopped doing that when I first got into it. Um, I, I stopped doing that pretty early on because I realized that it didn't work for me when I was first getting into it. Those reassurances that, Oh, it's, you know, this isn't going to break up your marriage and you're going to be able to stay together through this. And, and so early on that didn't work for me. And so I was like, "Mm." like, I was like, that doesn't feel accurate. Cause I was like, this person could totally leave if they wanted to. Mm. And so I had to shift my thoughts around that to going, that is a potentiality. But if that occurs, it would not be because we made this choice or this wouldn't Mm. be the cause of it. So becoming non-monogamous or, or entering into polyamory would not be the reason why it happened. The reason why it happened is because either him or me or both of us just did not see a value in being with each other anymore. And I don't even really know if polyamory isn't the reason that we lasted the eight years that we did in it. I have no idea. I have no idea if there's some alternate reality where we didn't do this and we were broken up in six months. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. So I needed to understand that it would not be about this choice that we made if we got to that point. Yeah. So we want to go on and and talk about a few more of these polyamory reminders, as well as some other things, because, I mean, all of this is just so great, this level of just really getting to be honest and and exploring these things. But we're going to take a quick break to talk to our listeners about things that you can do to support this show, help keep this content coming to everyone for free. And we will see you after that break. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI 
to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right, so we're back. So this next one I really like a lot. Um, You know, you said that compersion isn't necessary to navigate polyamory successfully. It doesn't need to be cultivated if you don't wish to or feel the need to do so. And it can be felt simultaneously alongside jealousy, which I think it makes a lot of sense to have the sentiment, especially after hearing you share your personal experience of someone who it sounds like, especially right out the gate, didn't exactly have that like, wonderful angelic from the skies like you said candies and rainbows like compersion experience <laughs> that that showed up what's what's been your personal relationship with compersion at all that was not my experience <laughs> at all and i would see people post and they'd be like oh you know my partner's away with their partner and they sent me this selfie they look so happy and i feel so good and i was like that is not my experience like you know <laughs> at all that is not what's happening over here and I would even try to pretend. I remember when my partner, um, my husband and our first partner, uh, uh, she, they went on a date, their first date, like just the two of them. And I like took this picture of them and posted it. And it, it was all, it was all fake. Like it was just huh. all me like trying to foster this feeling that was not there. And after a couple of times of doing that and it going horribly wrong, I was like, okay, Vita, this is not the experience that you're having. And then I began to say, okay, well, do you need it? Do you need it? Can you get yourself to a place of indifference? Can you get yourself to a place of going, I may not be happy that my partner is happy with someone else, but I am happy that they're living the life that they want. I am happy that they're seeking to fulfill themselves. I don't always like the ways that they choose to do it, but I do appreciate their ability to be able to do it. And I support that. Um, because I feel like getting into polyamory, unless compersion is just something that you naturally experience, and there are people that naturally experience it, I feel like it's too lofty a goal in the beginning because you're arriving from a model that says if your partner is with someone else, if they're getting happiness from someone else, if they're getting sex from someone else, something is wrong. Something is wrong with you. Something is wrong mm-hmm. with them. Something is wrong with the relationship. You should feel bad about this. So having this expectation that you're going to come from that to... I feel wonderful and amazing about this. And this is so great. That's a big leap. And there's a lot of space in between that, that you have to sort of step towards in order to get to that point. And I don't even necessarily think that it's something that you should strive for. If you want to, that's fine. I just feel like it's something that you should be like, I just need to get to a place to where I am okay with my partner doing this and I support it, even if I'm not super happy about it all the time, but you know, <laughs> but yeah. I do support it and I am here for them doing this thing. And so, um, and so, and there was so much push for compersion. Oh, you're mature, immature. If you don't feel it, all you got to do is just work on it and you'll get there. And people, I would notice that people just felt so bad about themselves that they didn't experience it. And so that's why I'm so vocal and I talk about it because I'm like, hey, like here I am, this person, I've been doing this for eight years. My partners have their freedoms and compersion is something that I experienced to a very small degree or almost Mm -hmm. not at all or alongside jealousy. So I can feel compersion and jealousy at the same time. And it has not hindered my ability to have healthy polyamory. Um, so stop making people feel bad <laughs> because they don't have this emotion. I, 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 I usually say everyone has an emotional index. And so in the wide range of human emotions, we all have our own personal emotional index. And so some people experience some emotions to a very high degree, to a very low degree. They don't, they experience them not at all. Like you hear people that say, I just don't experience jealousy. And I'm like, I experience it so much. Who am I to say that that person doesn't or does experience it just because I experience it to a certain degree. We all have this emotional index. So compersion is just the same thing. It's maybe part of your emotional index. It might not. You might have it to a high degree on your emotional index. It might be very low. You might be able to work toward it. You might be able to not, but that doesn't mean that you cannot live polyamorously. Hmm. Yeah, I think that very much falls in line with, I know on our show, we we try to, we often have this refrain of telling people to like, it's okay to aim for neutral, you know, like, right. like if you aim for neutral, it's like, that's still a success. Right, right. So, and I I think where people get tripped up about this often and why this is something that's so uncomfortable for people is because people deal with a lot of guilt in their non-monogamy of their partners having struggles. And so they kind of want people that are going to be happy about it. So they feel less bad. 
Mm. Um, but just like people have to work with their uh, feelings of jealousy and envy and all of those things like that, we also have to work through our feelings of guilt for living this way. Like, and that is some of our work is why do I feel guilty if I know that I'm doing this thing that I'm supposed to do? Why do I need my partner to be happy for me? Um, and, and need them to feel a certain way about it. Like, what is that about? And so that's a, that's a separate work that I feel like that's kind of like the other side of it is learning how to sit with your partner's genuine emotions about what you're doing in non-monogamy. Um, as long as they're not like trying to use them to manipulate you or control what you do, but just learning how to sit and go, this is how my partner feels about it. And this is how I feel about it. And both of those can be at the same time. And it doesn't mean I'm wrong and it doesn't mean they're wrong. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's something that not very many people talk about, like the guilt on either end of, yeah, being guilty for, I don't know, making your partner feel a certain way or having, you know, an emotion come up and having your partner feel a certain way. And then also your own guilt about your own feelings. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's absolutely there, though. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, e- even after doing it for a lot of years and like being in a relationship with Dedeker, where we both are clearly very comfortable being polyamorous people still comes up. I still feel yeah. guilt about things and it and it's this weird struggle because it's just they put it so deep inside us it's hard to get <laughs> yeah. it all out, you know. <laughs> right. Definitely. And yeah. you feel guilt when you're in your emotion because you don't want your partner to think that you're trying to rain on their parade or you know, like it's, it's a whole like, cycle, yeah. Get- Right, right. Yeah. You're like, like, cycle. like, and sometimes, yeah, man, I wish I could just keep it to myself. Or why can't I just get it together? Why can't I feel the right way about this? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so you're both kind of struggling with this guilt around these emotions instead of just going, this person feels this way. I feel this way. It's okay. Both can be held at the same time. Mm. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, another one, let's see. It's important to treat people we are seeking relationships with like people, not like things. Avoid using folks as distractions, comfort aids, or forms of entertainment, or at least tell them that's what they are to you. Yeah. Ooh, that, yeah. And I know um, in the blurb, like, below this quote on Instagram, you talked about how this was a thing that you were kind of struggling with during your decoupling your relationship from your husband. And that's really, really interesting. I wanted to kind of go more into that. Could you talk a little bit about that? So I, so my marriage, my romantic relationship with my partner ending created a void. I love romantic interaction and I had this huge romantic relationship that I had for almost two decades of my life. And so now Mm. it's, it's, it's ending and it created this like huge void in that space. And, um, and then I'm also hurting about it. So I'm feeling rejected and, you know, sad and grieving and mourning the loss. And I have a partner, but he lives about two hours away from me. So we only see each other maybe like once a month, once every other month. And so I'm noticing that I'm feeling emotionally raw and I'm having this huge void. And I have to be mindful in myself that I allow myself the space to heal from what I'm going through, but that I'm also not trying to just stuff it with folks, you know, just to kind of dissociate and distract from what I'm going through. And I often find that in non-monogamy, people will date people that they're not all that into, or they don't really like, uh, just to soothe themselves from their partner having another person or um, because they are bored when their partner's out with the other person. And so, and I don't necessarily think that that's a terrible thing because I think we we do that in relationships. Relationships fill a lot of holes, you know, for us and they, 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 they fill a lot of needs. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that's necessarily a terrible thing, but I think it's important to make sure that we are engaging in relationships with people where they are consenting and they are consenting to who they are to us. You know, they have a a relatively accurate picture of who mm. they are to us. So they can say, hey, I want to be that to you. Or they can say, no, you know, I'm not interested in that. Or this is what I want. Can we merge those two pictures? But I find that people often aren't honest with the person of going, you know, this is my motivation for connecting with you. Are you cool with that? Are you comfortable with that? Um, and in times of pain and times of struggle or emotional Um, turmoil, we don't always make the best choices in who to engage um, uh, because we're just trying to soothe. And I noticed my like desire to connect to people. Like I felt like I didn't have the energy to date, but I was still wanting to connect to people. And it was this drive to soothe what I was going through. And so um, I think it's important to make sure that we are with people for who they are and not like the 
object or the thing that they represent to us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. And I think it really points to the fact that I think a lot of the scripts and models that were given for dating and connecting to new people were really kind of given this very harsh binary of, you know, either the purpose of this is casual sex. I can tell you if I just want to keep things casual, you know, it's okay for me to say that, even though maybe I don't clarify exactly what that means, or I'm looking for my next soulmate, you know, I'm looking for something serious. And there is kind of this whole spectrum in between and beyond those things where I think like you were saying, like, it's not necessarily the worst thing if it's like, yeah, I need some comfort. I need someone who can touch me and hold me during this time while I'm healing. Like, that's not the worst thing. It's just so important that we're able to find effective ways to communicate that so that someone can be fully consenting to that. And I think that not a lot of us are necessarily really given those skills. It's like the two scripts that I feel like we're given is just like, I, I say that I'm just keeping things casual or I say that I'm looking for something serious, you know, when, when maybe it can be a little bit of both or neither. Or even that whatever we start out with it as doesn't have to stay that way, that it can change. So you can start out, you know, looking for something deeper, realize you not have that and transition to something casual or start with something casual and it can go deeper. Um, but I think that people sort of have in their minds kind of what they want with a person and the other person have, and we do this kind of dance of, of trying to see where the other person is at because no one wants to take the leap because yes. if the person says no, or they don't want that. Now you're like, Oh no, you know? And I think we yeah. feel that for both casual and serious. So like a person, they tell you, don't go on a first date and tell someone you're looking for your soulmate. Cause immediately someone's going to be like, Whoa, but if that's what you're in this for, be upfront about that. And in the same thing, if you're wanting something casual, be upfront about be upfront. that also. So I think we we don't allow ourselves the space to, to broaden what we think relationships can be for us, be comfortable with our own desires and what we want. And then also going, if this person doesn't meet me where I'm at, I don't need to cling or change my desires or try to manipulate theirs. There is much more out there for me, and I don't have to necessarily have it from this particular person just because they don't want what I want. Yeah, yeah that's huge. Gosh, that, that that's one that I took me an embarrassingly long, embarrassingly long time to figure that out. I'm just of, now learning it. Okay, just now. It's all right. We want to like fit everyone into the box that we want them to exist in, but it just won't always happen. I also think part of it is, is just this like awful. And I think even more like the more time goes by, the more destructive I learn this belief is, but the way that our books and our movies and our TV shows teach us about like fate and destiny and shit like that, that just really, it makes us think like, well, I feel very strongly about this person. So there must be something like magical behind it. And so therefore it has to be, even if it's hard right now, because that's the story that we're shown all the time. Mm. And it actually can make us into pushy, awful people or just upset all the time. Or like, it's just, it's not a good thing to teach people and we do it all over the place. Yeah. I I call myself a recovering nice guy actually, because, um, Mm. I was, I, I would get so incensed. So first I tell people I'm vain. I'm like, I'm vain. And I'm like this like weird, like mix of like, I'm the worst person in the world. And I'm like, I'm the most amazing person in the world, you know, and it's just kind of like topples back and forth. And so I'm like, no one loves me. And then I'm like, everybody should be in love with me. And so it's got to go back and forth. And so, um, and so when I would interact with people I, and I, and I'm very upfront, you know, so I'm like, I'm, I, I don't do that. If I'm interested in a person, I let them know pretty early on, you know, this is why I'm connecting to you, or this is what I'm interesting in, interested in. But I would find that people just wouldn't feel that back for me, but they would still want to interact with me and be friends. And I would be so indignant, you know, I would just be like, oh, like, you know, you didn't want the same thing with me that I wanted with you. Like, you know, like, <laughs> we're done. Like, you know, that's it. You know, I'll take my ball and go home. And um, <laughs> I'm just now getting to the space of like not seeing that as an indignation, like not seeing that as indicative that something's wrong with that person or something's wrong with me, not going, oh my gosh, like there's no one out there that's going to love me. And, you know, having mm-hmm. to like fall apart and despair about it, but just going, you know, sometimes the stars don't align with some people, doesn't mean you can't have anything with them. And also things can change and like having to be a little bit more, more at ease. But I think that comes from that scarcity. I think we still operate sometimes in polyamory in the scarcity of monogamy. Cause you know, monogamy being that zero sum game, you know, 
if I don't get this person, this other person gets them. And so I have to, you know, hold on to this. And I think we still kind of do that. And especially in polyamory, because the, you know, our dating pool is a little significantly smaller, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of cling to when we meet someone that we can sort of have these things, we go, Oh, you know, I have to have this with you. Why don't you want to have this with me? Instead of just going, you know, I can be at peace with that. Yeah. That, you know, it's okay. And there's more love out there. Mm. Absolutely. I think it, there's been just so many great nuggets of advice on this episode alone. I, I'm really curious because as we talked about before, and, and we're going to discuss your documentary in the bonus episode, but your relationship configuration has really changed over the eight years that you've been involved in polyamory. And so in that time, kind of what have you found to be most rewarding and what have you found to be most challenging about polyamory and about non-monogamy? So I always tell people that the most rewarding thing about non-monogamy for me is the self-discovery. So that's my favorite part is all of the things I learn about myself, um, all of the ways that I learn I need to heal, uh, that comes up a lot. Um, and getting the opportunity to see those things so I can begin that healing um, is probably my number one benefit. And yes, I enjoy interacting with people in ways that feel, you know, right for me and right for them and, and having that freedom. But for me, it's more about all the things that it's taught me about myself, all the ways that it's it's brought these things forward so that I could heal them. Um, what is the hardest thing about non-monogamy is that process. So it's like, right. It is that process. Some of these, these, the things that come forward are, are deeply, deeply wounded, wound, deep wounds, very painful. And, um, and so going through that process and sometimes being okay with the times along my path where I did not do well with that, mm. where I did not respond mm. well and kind of like learning to be at peace with, you know, I didn't know that that wound was there. I didn't know that action was going to trigger it. You know, I did the best that I could with the information that I had available to me in the moment and with who I was in that moment. And while that doesn't absolve me from harm that I caused, and I do need to be accountable to that, but to make my peace with the fact that I showed up that way, uh, because, mm. you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a human going through this. Mm. Thank That's you really for saying huge. that. Yeah, yes. Dedeker was just like, oh, I saw you over there, Dedeker, having a moment. <laughs> I've been having lots of moments. Don't you yeah. worry about me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I was I was waiting for you actually, Avita. I was waiting for you to drop the word grace because that's how I can always tell like a former Christian is. I feel like it's only Christians. Like I have a lot of former Christian clients, you know, that if somebody drops the word grace as this idea of like offering this kind of compassion and gentleness to themselves, I'm like, oh, I know where you came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only do you have to offer that for yourself, you have to offer that for your partners. You have to offer that for their partners. Like it really steps up. I always tell you that non-monogamy is basic relationship principles on steroids. But you know what yeah. I mean? It just steps it up. It steps it up. And so, and not, and not in like a more evolved way. So I'm not that, that I don't rock with, but just saying you're, you're interacting in relationships in, in much more sort of interconnected ways and navigating multiple relationships in interconnected ways. You know, we do this with families. We do this with friend groups. We do this with, you know, multiple coworkers, but we don't do this with romantic relationships in, in our society. And so you're stepping up that level of grace for yourself, grace for your partners, grace for their partners, um, as you're going through this process. So grace is, is very important to, to remember because I feel like so much of what we, we really struggle with is not the actual feelings that we have, but it's our judgments of ourselves for the feelings, our judgments of our partners for the feelings, our judgments of our metamorphs for the feelings. Um, instead of just going, you know, like I said, we're all humans going through this. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a wonderful place. I think to just kind of put a button on this episode because I love that sentiment. Um, but Avita, can you let us know and let our listeners know, um, do you have anything exciting coming up in the near future? Any workshops, um, any specific places where people can go to find more of you and more of your stuff? So I do have a few workshops coming up. I will be um, doing a class for self-serve toys on disclosure agreements. I just did one for Empowered Pleasure. I'll be doing another event with them, um, but we're still working out the details on that. Um, I am also, um, you can find me on Instagram at LaVitaLoca34. Um, you can find me on Facebook at LaVitaLoca Sawyers. I'm also on Patreon. If you want to support my work at LaVitaLoca Sawyers. 
And um, I think that is all the places. So (laughs) (laughs) wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Well, we are going to, as we've talked about multiple times in the show, we are going to discuss more of your documentary, Polly Love, in the bonus episode. Um, but if you want to, you know, become a patron and be able to listen to that episode, then please go to patreon.com slash multiamory. So our call to action question this week, because we know that many of you follow Avita. So share with us your favorite today's polyamory reminders quote from Avita. And that will be on our Instagram stories for this week that the episode comes out. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.